Welcome, movie fans. That's right. All of our fan theories sucked, and we're here to talk about them as we talk about Star Wars The Last Jedi. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode eight of Anatomy of a Movie. Just kidding. 800. <laughs> More than that. But episode 8 of Star Wars. We have Dimitri Panos. <laughs> hey, movie fans. May the force be with you. Marissa Serafini. Hello, everyone. And I'm Phil Svitek. And we're here to talk about, of course, Star Wars. A couple of things right off the bat. First off, this is going to be spoiler-filled. So just know that up front. If you don't want to know anything, I would... Tune out mm-hmm. and, right now. And it, it, just as a caveat to that, we always you always say that at the top of every show, right? It's important not to spoil movies for people who haven't seen the movie yet. Mm-hmm. Like, all around. This movie in particular, though, I was talking to a friend who doesn't mind hearing about spoilers. I said, no. This movie, the movie-going experience is better really not knowing it's part. It really is part of this movie-going experience for the Last Jedi, n- knowing as little as possible. So, again, you may love our show, and if you haven't seen the movie, see yeah. the movie first. You'll enjoy it a lot more for its complexities. And we've you know, seen the movie, and we, we know so little. That's how great we are. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, Secondly, of course, you can follow along, download our rundown in the description box. We've also included a couple of photos for you as well, so that way if you're on the audio side of things, you can get the photos too. If you're on the video side, you'll get them throughout the episode in the video. Um, And nonetheless, thirdly, I guess, what we have to say is let us know your comments, your opinions on the movie. We, of course, will touch upon fan reaction a little bit towards the end of the episode, so we'll tie that in. Uh, I'm sure you guys have your own opinion, but we're going to start off with our opinions. And In fact, a quick review from each of us, starting with Marissa. Okay. I really enjoyed this one because it, it, it's been a while since the last time I watched Force Awakens, and I remember really enjoying that too. And then this one, there were so many strong leading female characters that I wasn't expecting. And we've been talking about movies for a long time now, and we're always saying we need better, stronger female characters. Not to save the whole day, but to stand on their own. And we definitely had three to four different characters in this movie I wasn't really expecting, so it was great. And we Asian represent. This is probably one of the first times I saw an Asian person, like Asian-American person, that was well represented on screen and had a big part and a big storyline that helped progress the story forward. So I was all for that as well. Um, fun acting, fun fun visual effects as always. And I felt like not once uh, did it ever lose my attention. Uh, there, there were some parts where it got a little slow, but even in the slow moments, it made up for all the big action moments throughout. And overall, I really did enjoy this. Yeah, I mean, okay, for me, despite a somewhat senseless, useless second act and um, these fuzzy little creatures who were created just to sell toys, for me, Star Wars The Last Jedi uh, and Rian Johnson, they delivered an unpredictable Star Wars story that produces unexpected twists in character art. And its third act, in particular, for me, uh, stands as one of the best in the Star Wars franchise. Um... It delivered. I, it, the, the the movie. There is parts 
and character things that happened that came so unexpectedly. And I found that to be fantastic because it kept me on the edge of my seat as to, holy shit, what? There were, there were characters, they were killing characters off, seemingly left and right. And so it got to a point where I was like, who's going to live? Who's going to end up still standing at the end? That, to me, is fantastic. So that third act really delivers. And the beginning, I thought, was was really fantastic, too. I loved how our characters progressed. I, I, Phil, we were talking a little bit earlier I used a bowling analogy in which J.J. Abrams set up the pins, and Ryan Johnson sort of kind of comes up with a split. Ryan. Ryan Johnson comes up with a split. And basically, poor J.J., he's got a lot to cover to, to get rid of that split, but it's it's a very solid uh, movie. That's an uh, interesting in analogy, only because I played bowling for four years. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. There you go. Splits can definitely be picked up. So they can be picked they're up. They're not impossible. No. But no. JJ I do has, like that analogy. JJ has, uh, he has his work cut out for him, uh, I, I think, and, and bringing the whole Skywalker uh, saga to a, to, a, to a satisfactory ending. But I felt, on the whole, this movie, outside of that second act, which we can talk about a little bit later, which I, it was just useless because uh, it accomplished nothing. But after that, it just opens wide up and, and left me going, oh, oh my God, oh my head, oh, what? So great twists that uh, uh, Ryan Johnson uh, put in because that's what he does. Looper, Brick, he's good at that. I applaud him for his effort overall. I thought he he did an ambitious job with this one. I thought he he approached it with such a vision where he wanted to make a statement. And he went for it. That's why I think, in part, the length is there, being what it is. Obviously, the longest Star Wars film in existence currently. And but and, and I applaud the effort. I think there's some really cool stuff out of all the movies. I thought the use of the Force was the best in this one. Um, I have my gripes to pick with it. But ironically, I'll save the biggest one for last. And it doesn't necessarily make it a bad movie for me. But it's the one that I'm just kind of... It's, I'm, I'm still left wondering it of like was this a good movie or was this not and i'll save it for the end and it's it's not what most people it's not anything that i've read well and it's a movie though too that many people walk out at least a lot of star wars fans that i've spoken with since seeing this okay a lot of people walk out and it has to sink in they have to think about like i'm a word that, that that was used often was still processing, processing. I'm still thinking about what I watched. And that to me, <laughs> that to me is a good sign. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, particularly coming from a Star Wars movie. You know, if it can make you, if you have to, like, the knee-jerk reaction is not to come out loving it or hit it, you, like, when you think about it, that hasn't been really done in a Star Wars movie. And for a middle of a trilogy too it pretty much is a standalone movie like we're not left on a giant cliffhanger 
the pieces of this puzzle are pretty much set up so that we know where they are. Nobody's really in dire, dire straits, so to speak. So I think that it succeeded in that part as well. Well, the, you know, I guess let's talk about that. Overall, uh, there's this notion that there is no real cliffhanger, quote unquote, where you had the Force Awakens and you're left with a huge cliffhanger mm-hmm. of, okay, we're handing over the lightsaber to, um, to Luke, of course. And then it's like, well, what happens? And that's exactly where this one picks up, which is interesting because we've never had that. But this one, yeah, it kind of wraps things up overall. It gives you, it, It's a new, new hope mm-hmm. or a third hope. Definitely. Yeah. I think the way it ended, not to jump ahead, I think it did a great job of concluding this particular movie as a singular movie mm-hmm. within a trilogy, within a, a franchise. I think it did a great job of wrapping itself up, like you said. But also, it leaves a very open-ended story for the future where people are thinking, oh, this could happen now. You know, So I think it did a great job of setting up a potential future for just stories and characters. And it's also wrapping up our classic characters, our, our Skywalkers, whether it be Luke, Princess Leia, um, Admiral Akbar, our droids, R2, C-3PO. Uh, it's, it's really, um, it's, it's wrapping them up um, to lead way to these new characters that are, you know, equally as heroic, uh, sympathetic, to you empathize with they've been fantastic and that's i i've enjoyed that uh, a, a lot too it's a you know this is the the skywalker saga so to speak and uh it really has come home and it's going home you know it's i i feel that thus far it's very satisfactory this this the back nine let's call it well okay so we're gonna we're gonna jump around i'm sure and i apologize in <clears throat> advance but unfortunately I know no other way. I want to take that word, heroism, right? Because in this movie, I thought one of the more interesting parts was this notion of what is heroism and what is not. Uh, so when you say we have new heroes, great, except we don't. Uh, they, they're actually in particular trying to not be heroes because heroism is not rewarded in this universe. We're not trying to be the chosen one. We're not trying to be Luke. We're, we're trying to be... Just a bunch of people coming together and having orderly fashion. That's what's going to save us from the the First Order rather than uh, Poe Dameron trying to think that he's going to go off and do something and save everybody. And, in fact, he doesn't. He kills more than he saved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's evident kind of throughout. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and, and there's... I did like that storyline, though, because, I mean, they did a great job in Force Awakens setting up Poe Dameron. He's a hotshot flyer. Right. But then also it shows his recklessness that there are consequences when you only think about yourself and you're showing off. But look at all the people whose lives were depending on you and you just wanted to be an awesome pilot, but you weren't actually being a leader. Yeah, well, I, I, I believe that Poe in his heart is for the cause, but there's a great <clears throat> there's a great piece of dialogue between uh, he and Princess Leia after the first opening battle, which was fantastic. Um she slaps him in the face and, and demotes him. And he's like, but we took down a dreadnought. We needed to take that down. And she's like, yeah, and how many people did you lose doing that? It's like, we could have done that later. I think this is as much Poe's journey as well as as learning not to be that hot shot and, and, and accepting 
consequences and responsibility because to be a good leader, you need to learn that. And I really do think towards the end of the movie, he was he was getting to that point. He was understanding that his actions are more fly by the seat of my pants. I'm good at what I do, but you got to put things in check and do the checks and balances. I 100% agree. To that point, one of the biggest nitpicks, well, there's there's a few, but um, is Laura Dern's character not revealing, okay, what the plan is initially, which could have prevented this entire plan gone awry. So what's your guys' perspective on that? And I've heard a couple of theories, and I buy into them, but it, it, the, my only problem with them is that they didn't appear on screen. I'm going to hold off to, to say what they actually are, but because I want to hear from you guys mm. first. I think it was interesting because I, she was definitely obviously put in a position of power and authority for a reason, even though she was a brand new character, so we don't know her motivation or how she thinks as a leader. But being put in that position, you, you are, the audience can automatically think, it's like, okay, she knows on some level of what she's doing. So I kind of trusted her along the way. But ever since they were firing at will at all the people in the you know in their transports trying to get away i was like oh maybe her plan isn't as great as she was making out to be but with the whole reveal of she was just saving she she was being a leader and thinking for the greater of everybody not just for her herself and that's where i was like okay yeah it might have been flawed but she was being a leader, thinking about the well-being of everybody. And not Poe. Poe was just thinking, of, whoa, let's do this crazy mission, and, we'll, and maybe we'll become successful. But again, it was his own his own like thinking. He was he was thinking about himself and not everybody. And Holden was Holder was thinking cool. about everybody. Yeah, for me, um, this Vice Admiral Holdo, again, it was one of those things that came very unexpected. It was almost as if she was being set up to be um, a New Order spy that was on there. And was you know, and you can understand from Poe's point of view how he's like, what the hell are you doing? Like, you got to let me know what's happening. Um, as it gets revealed, you know, later on. And again, this is a great Johnson in his writing. It's a MacGuffin almost. She is there for the good cause. she And she ends up uh, dying very... Uh, heroically, her sacrifice is just amazing when she hyperspaces uh, runs the ship but once we get to that point that we realize that she actually is for the good cause, she has that great line too after uh, Leia had stunned Poe she goes, you know, I actually like that guy, and Leia's like yeah, I like him too you know, but he just needs some more seasoning but even she recognizes what Poe can bring to the table so, in the end of the day she's a good she is a good person, and her sacrifice leads to the safety and the right. for for that time being. But it's it's, a it's not scene. like he's a bad person or sure. he's malicious in any way. He's definitely a good person. It's just he doesn't think clearly with a strong hand. He's not rational at some points. And Gregory Castillo, and thank you everyone in live chat who actually brought up something uh, interesting that military leaders usually don't discuss to lower ranks, but it was a plot device to help set up a side mission. Mm-hmm. And I think that's. That goes true with a lot of military branches is that if you're a lieutenant or, you know, colonel or something, you're not going to tell all your battle plans to, like, the lowliest person. Well, the, come and, go ahead. I'm well, sorry. Well, that was, that was a theory I read most often, especially because they were being tracked. There's the notion of, okay, is, is there a spy aboard? But I don't think that 
you know, I think one little nugget more in there could have helped that along. Um, that notion, because I do like that that theory of yeah, she's got a, the same way Poe's playing his cards to the chest, and on a quote need to know basis, mm-hmm. uh, you know she's <laughs> playing the same thing. Unfortunately, they're just playing against each other, and and, and story wise, as an audience member, I would have just liked to see a little sprinkling of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting because watching Holdo's character never once did I ever think she was an actual spy. Yeah, I was wondering which side she was playing on. And, and granted, Poe po, po being demoted, he still had the ear of the princess. Like, all the time. You know, she she trusted him because of his skill and talent. I mean, he actually, his flying sequences were amazing. And that is when he looked the best. Um, but Princess Leia also knows you know, when you got to pull back and when you got to re- retreat, um, which he really didn't quite know how to do. So if you're used to having the ear of your leader and your leader is taken out and this new person comes along who knows of you and your recklessness and they're not letting you in, you understand Poe's frustration, regardless of whether or not her character was doing the right militaristic thing. You mm-hmm. understood Poe's. Um, like wanting to like we have to do something well she was doing something she just mm-hmm. wasn't cluing him well, in you know to, to sort of wrap this up because obviously there's sure. so much to uh, to talk <laughs> about I appreciate that because if, if you look at American literature in general and movies especially that's the whole thing of just uh, be reckless and just okay go against what you know just just have the gumption and go for it and I appreciated that that was sort of slapped on the hand of no do what you're told and shut the f up, mm-hmm. and especially in today's day and age with millennials. But anyway, there well, you go. That's no, my but, rant. But it is, and, you know, as a Star Trek fan too, which is militaristic. You know, I mean, Captain Kirk's always getting shut down, like you know, and and it's just part of the military. Now he always saves the galaxy at the end. So it's a Star Wars. you know, I but just making the comparison of both militaristic and having to be dressed down in that military fashion. I understand it here. But I did think at first she was a spy. Like, who's who's she fighting that's, for? I what think that's... Uh, I don't, I don't want to, like, bring up, you know, gender characteristics, but I think it, that's really interesting that the men think that she was a spy and the woman thought she wasn't. It had nothing like, to do with gender. No, I know. Like, I don't want to bring it up with gender, but I just find it interesting that, like, I'm a woman and I not once thought she was a spy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Because there were so many twists and turns going on. I'm like, why not? <laughs> let's move right along. Enough about uh, enough about good old Poe. Uh, but let's let's stick in that sort of same plot line, if you will. Sure. Let's let's talk about Rose and Finn in particular, uh, because you know Poe initiates this this idea that we have to do something, we have to do something different. It sets off Finn to to go in an escape pod, which he's <laughs> greatest at. As Rose points out, and, and then they meet. One of the, and obviously I want to talk about the love story here as well, but uh, we'll talk about the plots. One of the things I do want to kind of start with that I thought was very interesting, when Poe says to them, hey, it must have been luck that brought you together, or something along those lines, I'm paraphrasing. And Rose says, we'll find out. Because you kind of left, it is very serendipitous that they got together and now they know each other and they could potentially save the rebels. And yet, by doing this, it's the exact opposite of what they needed to do. So it is actually not good luck. It's luck that brought them together, but not good luck that they're doing what they're doing. Right. 
So, um, but anyway, let's talk about the the plot. I wouldn't say serendipitous. I think, I mean, you can, even looking back on Force Awakens of how Rey and Finn met together, you can say that was serendipitous, but yet they went off on an adventure. And I think they did a great job of setting up Rose. There was already an emotional connection with, with her and the sister that we saw at the beginning, who unfortunately sacrificed her life. But it was great. Um, a great way to start the movie, but then to have that emotional connection. So, like, she had a motivation to do all this, and Finn had a motivation to help save everyone, too, because he's just a good guy that that's within this, you know, situation. Um, I, I liked it because, I mean, even we had the separation of Rey and Finn in this movie, and everyone loved them together in Force Awakens. And when Rey's off on the island doing her own thing, and you know, learning about herself, I mean, it's not like she was... Um, slacking or anything. It's just like Finn needed another partner to have a fun adventure with and like I didn't really buy into the romantic side that people might be pairing them up shipping quote unquote but I did like what they did together because I felt like they had a commonality within each other. Um, like she came from a a bad place growing up and she, she just wanted justice for her and her family and what these awful people can do to a society and we also saw finn knowing the destruction of what the what uh the oh goodness um uh, who describe them <laughs> yeah they, 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 you know they, it's not not the resistance they the Oh my goodness! The casino it? people. The casino people. The, yeah, the casino people. The like race that whole that whole planet, but also you know all the just the weapons dealers, Captain Phasma, yeah. and you know uh, all of them. Like what the destruction that they can do. Um, so like he's seen the bad side too. So it, the, like they had that commonality of we know what people can do to us. So let's stop them. Well, I thought I thought you know. As far as this plot line goes, you know, when you talk, when Dimitri talks about second act, this was part of the second act. And, and for the first time ever, it sort of brought in this gray area because it wasn't, oh, there's the good guys, there's the bad guys. Um, you know, I, we can approach it from that unless you want to talk about it in a different way. But Well, for me, this is the weakest part of the movie. Um, it really accomplished nothing. Um, they failed at every single mission goal that they were set out to do, and it—it it, I, I affectionately call it as the field trip. They took a field trip. They don't get the guy that they're supposed to get. They get another guy who ends up selling them down the river, and we'll probably never see him again. It's like a wild goose chase, yeah. It, a while, but it amounts to nothing, and it took up a lot of screen time. If you're going to write a second act and have it end in a failure, which I have no problem with, I just felt that there could have been a more efficient way to get them onto that ship for their mission to, like, not work out the way they planned. But we took all this time out, and all they really do is save racehorses. I mean, that's what they basically are, mm-hmm. uh, the, 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 the vault pieces. Um, no, not, not, not the vault, the, the fault, fault years. Yeah. They save racehorses. Yay. It doesn't affect anything on the planet because they'll probably herd them back up again and get them going. And then they, they fail at their mission. The romance part of it. Now, I was thinking, God, wouldn't it have been bold and brave? Had, you know, because they uh, Rose had the... The, 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 the crescent moon. The, the, it's basically a clatter ring. And I felt, instead of her sister, what if it was her lover? I mean... That could have been something like, you know, I lost 
you know, I lost my soulmate in that mission. Very heroic loss, by the way, at the beginning, which I felt. It was great. It was fantastic, you know. And that actress, albeit in the movie for three, four minutes, played it out great. I just felt putting, trying to force this relationship, it just, it didn't necessarily work for me. Um, When Finn finally, when Finn and Ray finally get together, like, that hug was as if these two actors hadn't seen each other in 50 years. Like, I really felt that it was really nice, and it was like, oh, my God, how it's great. And each one from their different locations was asking about the other. Now, regardless of what happens with Finn and Ray in the next movie and whatever, R- Rose was fine. The way they met was hysterical at the escape pod. You know, and how she 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 zaps him. Well, crap! Yeah, that's very funny. Do, do do you think the kiss was more of a more of the fact that she just always looked up to him as a hero, and it, it was just kind of an infatuation rather than a true romance of yeah. I, I did she say love you. though? I, huh? Didn't she say love? Well, no, she said uh, we need to we need to, we're going to win this war by saving the things we love. And she kisses him. Yeah, but I think it was... I'm not saying that you have to go together. Yeah, it was followed up by that, but I don't think she's in love with him. I think she she just kissed him out of, like, friendship, out of respect, out of, you know, appreciation that, like, she had admiration for him because she knew what he did and who he is and and everything. So I think it was, like, purely just out of respect. Hey, you... Uh, I just saved your life too, you know. Like now, go live it and do some more great things. And I think it was purely out of appreciation and I find that too. But she said the word love. I mean, so that, it, it's, it's not. It's but not it wasn't towards him. It wasn't. I love the you. things I know. We save you know? the things we love, and then she kisses him. Come on, don't you have any romance in you at all? No, I don't. You're talking to the girl who watches Hallmark <laughs> so, every single day. Yes. Really all right. Well, but, so, but, but going but, back, she she's a good character. I don't mind seeing her in the next one. And and John Boyega is always great when he's pretending to be something like, oh yeah, 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 I'm the hero. I'm the hero. Yeah, that's right. I'm, uh, uh, yeah, that's me. I always love because he did a little bit of that in uh, uh, Force Awakens too. Uh, you know, I think in this movie he sort of kind of got a little bit of the short end of the stick. However, that third act with him in that ship it was was funny. And yet again, I thought he was going to die. Well, I want to. Uh, there's there's a. Fe- I don't want to use the word theory. I know it's very blasphemous, <laughs> but there's this notion that good because of video games, the middle, the second act kind of felt like a video game. That's the type of mission you would get in a video game hey, go off and do this, and you play it, and as a video game, it's fun, because you get to travel this world and do these little mini-adventures, and then you wrap it up, and you get to the main mission. And especially as, you know, uh, trilogies become franchises and so forth, you're going to have to fill out time, and you're going to start to get more of these video game-type missions. Do you guys buy into this theory or not? Well, I don't play video games so i i mean i can understand how people with that that third act structure yes and also people in the live chat are agreeing with me that it was out of respect so yeah that's okay they're agreeing with me too because i said it too yeah (laughs) there you go there you go um but like i i think the third act was great i mean there was a lot of resolution a lot of obviously conflict followed Mm -hmm. by the resolution um I mean, from the second act to the third act, it definitely made up for the second act. I didn't mind the second act. I feel like a lot of people did now. 
It was useless. It, it, it accomplished nothing. I mean, and, their and plans they done it. Their plans were foiled, and then yet they, you can say, they literally accomplished nothing. But I think they did a great job of setting up a poor society within the people, even though it was a rich society. The irony is that, you know, not to spoil the exact complete ending, too, but with the kids, like, you can come from anywhere and still be a good person. It could have done I that, got that much more, more efficiently. I, it, it accomplished nothing. It didn't progress the plot. It didn't do it. Th- that second act was doomed. Like was do- Like that. Their mission was doomed to fail. You could have gotten them on the ship a better way. We didn't need to take that field trip, which really took up a you know a good twenty minutes plus worth of time. And all they did was save racehorses at the end of the day. And then they go back. And in the meantime, we're going, guys, you got to hurry up. You're just guys, not you an animal lover. Oh, I am. I got my little doggy and, you know, I got Brady. Well, but I'm just saying, like, it was like, hurry up, hurry up. And then, you know, it, it just seemed like it kept on being lengthened and lengthened. And then finally when it ended, and then we then we go into that third act and all bets were off. And oh, I think, I, I, I think wow. it, it, it's an unfortunate thing. I, I I think the length was due to the fact that it was supposed to be a misdirection. It was supposed to keep on us suspended. And then it didn't work out, and that was supposed to be a <gasps> type of moment. It didn't work out that way, I feel like. Mm-hmm. But I do want to talk about DJ, uh, whose apparently full name is Don't Join. And that's also <laughs> the philosophy of DJ. So don't join. Don't join. Uh, what, what did you guys think of Ben? I, I thought he did well. I just didn't necessarily love the stutter. I thought yeah. that was a little bit too much. I didn't, I didn't need that. I think he's just a great actor. He's conniving in general. So just let him do his thing. Don't You don't need to add more to it. Right. Um, I love Benicio Del Toro. We've talked about his other movies. Um, he's a great actor. Um, his character choices for this movie, people question, and I question, especially the stutter. It sounded more of a, like, a lisp stutter. So I think the only justification that I have is that he sounded like a snake, which obviously snakes you can't trust. So, but he did a great job of playing that duality of is he good, is he bad, can we trust him, or yes or no. Uh, like, yeah, as an audience member, you don't know. But I, I don't like, and I haven't researched if he's signed on for the next movie, but I think they left him open-ended that he could come back and maybe redeem him, himself. Well, JJ only pitched the, the, the script for, or the story for episode nine just this past weekend, so nobody's right. confirmed yeah, exactly. Officially. Except for our, yeah, except for our, but the thing you know, is, Boyega, yeah. yeah. But the thing is, like, yeah, he screwed him over, but he could be a, a really good ally to them because he has so much inside knowledge information that could be very useful to them in in the third movie. So not, yeah. I feel like it's a character they set up. Maybe he was he was an asshole in this movie, but he could be a good guy in the next. Yeah, I'm not even going to theorize. Like, if he doesn't show up, he doesn't show up. I, I, it, I mean, like, that's how unimportant to me this character was. And, and that, that was his whole philosophy. It wasn't like he was Han Solo. And he was, our, our, you know, he was going to get a heart at the end and come in at the save it, you know, at the, you know, to save the day so Luke can blow up the Death Star. No, he just, well, he I did think- what he did. He got paid. And he's like, so long, folks. I'm off. Well, and the if he doesn't come back... The better comparison, they're comparing him to, to um, Lando because yeah. he did a similar thing and, you know, where there's so many comparisons being made to Empire Strikes Back and so forth. He was supposed to be that character, supposedly, in theory, based off of 
theories. Yeah, I can understand that, but Lando immediately redeemed himself and helped them escape. But so. Lando, That's what I'm saying. But yeah. Lando also felt he that did he was DJ did. becoming, you know, in this trap. The deal was changing all the time, and, mm-hmm. you know, he, he knew... This character again, he's just he could be a fly by night character. If he doesn't show up in the next movie, big deal. Yeah, would we mind? No, I don't really. Think if so. he comes back, then what's he going to do? Is he going to screw him over again? And how do you he redeem could help yourself? Them. Eh. I, I was just like, as far as Benicio goes, he's like thinking, hey, I'm in two fantastic franchises. I'm in the Marvel movies, and now I'm in the Disney Star Wars movies. And also Sicario, yeah, so, too. <laughs> so, so, you know, he's uh, he's happy. And I say good for him. His starter didn't bother me that much. That just seems to be Benicio's choice. And mm-hmm. you know. All right. Let's uh, touch upon this real fast. Uh, but it is a question that was raised. What the hell is Maz doing? <laughs> <laughs> She's fighting the good fight somewhere. With what? They just check in with her. She's like, I don't have time right now. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> and that's it. What the hell is going on with Moz? I don't know, but I, I can tell you this from, from um, because I've done it, the, the new Star Tours, right, which is all <laughs> The Last Jedi, Moz makes an appearance as a hologram, and she's doing the same exact thing. Uh, I was like, did they just use the Star Tours footage for this movie? She's fighting people off that you don't see, and she's telling, you know, 3PO, hey, you gotta get the spy to over here, we're gonna do this, and I was like, it felt like the same exact Thing. So you're I saying was, do the Star Tours to figure out the rest. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> that was like when I saw it in the movie, I'm like going, wow, she's she, she's in the same position she was in Star Tours. I don't know what she's doing. I sort of miss that character. Um, I was hoping to get a little bit more of her because yeah, I love cool. her in Force Awakens. So maybe we'll get more of her in... I mean, in, she just um, got such high her. billing for... Ten lines in the movie. Maybe, well, maybe. I think it was only because of Lupita Nyong'o and her connection with Disney, so... It helps. It also helps when you win an Academy Award, too. So I feel like if you get an Oscar, you know, that moves you up the billing just a few notches. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Well, she is go. still a good character. I, I yeah, like her. Cool. And, and I cool. wonder if we'll ever hear the story about how Luke's lightsaber ends up in her, you know, in, in, up in her palace. Maybe it'll be in a book. Maybe. But we'll see. I think it was just a nice, like, we, we'll we use her for the third one. I'm sure she was going to have a much bigger role. We just need to sort of check her in right now. That's check. our way of doing it. She'll so probably you're come good. back in the third. All right. Uh, so now we get into the to the deeper stuff. Ooh. Why don't we start with Princess Leia? Sort of, uh, I mean, in some sense, you could call it the heaviest subject we're going to talk about. Uh, mm-hmm. Certainly from a real-world perspective. <clears throat> Maybe not story-wise, but from a real-world perspective, yeah. Uh, so, you know, wh- I, I really appreciate what they did with her. Uh, what they're, you know, There's obviously a crap ton of speculation what the hell's going to happen with Episode 9. But as far as Episode 8 is concerned, I thought just a majestic portrayal on her part and great writing overall. And in fact... I don't know if you guys uh, can fully confirm this, but it, it, I, I found it um, that Carrie Fisher has been known to like help out writers and, and whatnot. She used to be like a script doctor. Yeah, yeah. she mm-hmm. script writer and book writer. She's well, an author. Well, mm-hmm. she helped this. Yeah, and uh, I think you know I'm sure she helped her character as well. You know, so when when you talk about strong women characters, Marissa, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, why not help? 
yeah. that side of it. So I, I can't confirm exactly, you know, what level of uh, uh, input she had in that perspective. But I think uh, I, I think it's there. However, it ended up working out of who gets credit for what, and I appreciate her overall. Just great job, great mm-hmm. job, and, and no offense, far, far, far better than her portrayal in Force Awakens. Oh yeah, she had more to do for sure. Absolutely, she I just think. felt and stiff in that one. Mm-hmm. This one, she felt more of herself. Yeah, yeah, and this one, they gave her like just a better role to do. Um, you know, like we saw her at the beginning, you know, being authoritative, slapping Poe, and you know, like she had her position and an authority, and you listened to her, and everything she said was gospel, whether it be something moral or something just rational when it came to battle plans. Um, and I loved her. And even, you know, with her credit to helping with the script doctoring and whatnot, I think she's the best person to do it because she's been with the franchise since the very beginning. And she knows these characters. She knows the essence and of the storylines. And she's the best person to keep it still grounded within um, everybody. And her character is, is so great, such a leader, such a force. And with all these years and decades that have passed, she's still an icon to watch and appreciate and girls can can look at her and aspire to be someone as amazing as Leia. Sure. Now, I you know, I think with 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 Carrie Fisher as a writer, look, she she always had an acerbic tone. So, if I, if I had to guess, much of the acerbicness and the, the the humor may have come from her. Like, do you think you got him? You know, she is able to infuse that and doctor a script in, in that way. And to Marissa's point, yes, she knows Mark Hamill. She knows Luke Skywalker. She knows Princess Leia. So, and, I, and from what I understood, too, uh, regarding J.J. Abrams, he took her notes quite seriously as well. Again, I think it goes into another way in which uh, The Last Jedi was created the unexpected. I think after her passing, we all expected... It wasn't a theory. We expected that that character was going to move along, move on, pass pass away mm-hmm. in this movie. It didn't happen. I'm so glad. Well, whether it happened or not, but I was like, okay, it gave me something I didn't expect. I was like, she, she's alive at the end of this. Okay, all right, I'm okay with it. It was as you said, it delivered a little bit more hope. Although, again, I feel bad for J.J. Abrams because now he has to come up with a way to respectfully and emotionally um, make her absence appear and happen. But, again, this to me was the strength of the movie. Um, Even if you weren't a fan of Star Wars, you knew that she passed away, and you would go into this movie thinking she's going to (laughs) die. And then you... Because I heard people come out going, wait, didn't didn't she die in my life? Like, she's alive? (laughs) How are they going to do that? So uh, kudos to them. Kudos well, to her performance. One of the things, I mean, if you watch the trailers, in that sense, your expectation is, okay, she gets killed by her own son, Kylo Ren. No, he doesn't do it. He's not the one no, that does it. that's the trailer. The trailer. Yeah, the trailer. So, the but, trailer. but I'm saying, yeah, false. it sets up that expectation. And then when that doesn't happen, it's even more impactful. But you're like, Oh, and, and this is within the first 20 minutes, give or take. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, she is dead. Yeah, and did you say, wow, that happened early? <laughs> it did. <laughs> right, you right, go. Well, like, all right. <laughs> but it felt, in that moment, it felt very fitting. And yet, I don't think it was gratuitous in any sort of way, but they hung on that moment 
for I, I can't say 100%, but it, but it felt like eternity, and then boom, we got the force and we're right back in it. Yeah, yeah. and a lot of people are complaining about the Kryptonian moment, uh, as a friend of mine, Greg, had called that. The force ball? Well, the, you know, being out in space, space and then the fingers move like, like Superman. When he's From Batman the, v Superman. Well, whatever, if the sun hits him, he wakes up and sort of floats back. Yeah, you know, listen, she's force sensitive. It, it, I could uh, I could understand how people could find it to look silly. It, it didn't it bother me as much, and you needed to bring her back. People said, "Well, why? What did you, what did she accomplish when she got back to the ship?" Because the character was in a coma for 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 a good length of period, right? For me, what it accomplished is well, she's we, alive. Well, she's he, alive, clearly, but clearly, but, but we also to. needed, for me, anyways, what was very special was her meeting up with Luke. And that, mm. to me, that that's why you need, you know, she needs to see her her brother again. And I found that to be, I found that scene to be so touching. And as a Star Wars fan, knowing that they're brother and sister, and they'd been separated for such a long time, that's what I appreciated that for. And now she's still leader, you know, of yeah. the. Also, I think that that moment also set up a good character device within Kylo Ren. You can see that he still has a conscience. It's like he still has a good side where he he will actually feel bad if he kills his own parent, his own mother. So you you can see that conflict within Kylo and his character. Is he good? Is he bad? You know, so I think it also did a great job of setting that up. I I agree. Two two things. Uh, I'll start with the I'll start with the mom side of it I, I think Kylo sort of to me realizes the fact that he's been wronged by men his entire life whether it's Han Solo for reasons I'm unaware of a Snoke and then mm-hmm. Luke Skywalker certainly and that that to me you know uh, sort of leaving uh, Princess Leia on the side for a little moment that's why he wants Rey on his side I think I think he feels that that connection and he's not been wronged by her and in a weird, because she is a woman, I think that's part of it. I don't think it's the only reason, but I think that definitely has a little bit more to do with it. Like, mm. he might be more successful if he pairs up with women on his side. Than well, perhaps. Yeah. But there's yeah. a motherly bond. I like that. Yeah, I like that. But I, I also believe in the motherly bond, too. I mean, it, it's stronger, obviously, with him. Kill, even in Force Awakens, when he kills Han Solo, his dad, there was still a moment where... He, you could tell that he, he was struggling with the, with the idea of doing it. It wasn't just like he did it ruthlessly. And right. once he did it, it was almost like this release. In this movie, knowing where his mom was, cause, and they could sense each other, he literally took his thumb off the fire button, flew, flew away. And when the other ties came in and blew out that bridge, he actually got upset about it. And to your point, yes, it showed a side of Kylo Ren that maybe there is something, maybe there is something that's redeemable. But I also found the dialogue between Luke and Leia to be equally as important because Luke and Leia, they admit that Kylo is lost. I mean, Luke says, Leia, I'm sorry, I I can't turn him. I feel so bad. And she goes, no, Luke, I felt it. I've known. I just haven't been willing to see it as it is. So now it's up to Ray to do we have them both 
living? Does she try to convert him? Does or, or at least bring him back to the light? Or will there always well, be that gray? Let's pin that for a moment because I, I <laughs> just to uh, to wrap up Luke and Leia. I appreciated that because it's it, 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 Leia that that hologram projection from back in well episode four, I guess. Mm-hmm. No. Um, it. That's what kickstarted Luke's training of Rey, and right. certainly so it, it sort of wraps that up, and especially Force Awakens, that, that, that was Leia's whole mission is to get to Luke. Luke. So, yeah, if you're looking at it from that perspective, it wouldn't feel very satisfying that they, they never got to talk. So, from, yeah, I, I truly appreciated that. I did, and, and he even, you know, he winks at 3PO. And you had that, these are our classic characters being together for the first time in this new trilogy. Um, and I found it to be very, as a Star Wars fan growing up with it, I found it to be touching. I really enjoyed it. Absolutely. Yeah, and I liked how this moment we had R2-D2 with Luke. Sure. Because they had so much time together in the original trilogy. And we also missed that in Force Awakens because R2-D2 didn't come until like the last few minutes of mm-hmm. the movie. So mm-hmm. yeah, I thought that was just like a good time to have them two together because like we love these characters. They yeah. just needed to have a moment to be with each other. Yeah. And there was more for Leia to do, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Like yeah. We, we had to have more for their characters. It was a good payoff, yeah. I felt. So let's talk about Luke, right? And this ties into Ray, of course, uh, with Daisy Ridley and so forth. Uh, you know, it, w- I've never seen this before because it's never happened. They they pick up where they left off, but they change the context under which we left off. That opening moment when she hands him the lightsaber. His expression is not the same as what it was in Force Awakens. Uh, how did you guys take that? And we'll, we'll start to pick it apart from there. Yeah, and also, you know, just doing the research of how they had to pick up like more than a year later from that final shot of the first movie to the beginning shot of this one there were so many continuity things that they had to deal with like lighting with the sun um the weather was completely different they like they were just going through a lot of production things i i wasn't expecting how it was opening up how luke was actually going to handle it because that was like you don't ever toss a lightsaber that's just like so disrespectful in the arts in the ways of the jedi so you're not expecting it from luke who's the ultimate jedi as of right now well luke has tossed the the lightsaber before return of the jedi he tosses it aside and said i'm not fighting you anymore right Um, but but like that was that was for a purpose he's to to show that he doesn't want to fight for like a good there was like reason behind this this was tossing aside like i really don't care at all anymore what happens he was doing in the returning jedi was for a purpose for a reason this one was like he he wants nothing to do with the force and you're not expecting that so that already set up a an obstacle that ray has to get through throughout the whole film is now we need luke we have him now we just need him on our side yeah i think this is the first time uh that the star wars movies have addressed the hubris of the jedi knights because it is because of that hubris, that pompousness, that, that we're the righteousness of the galaxy, that they lost the galaxy, that they were wiped out. They couldn't see, <clears throat> you know, they couldn't see their nose in front of their face. I believe that's the saying. And Luke, you know, he became this bitter person saying, it's just, it's, look at history. Like, it's, it's a religion that, that deserves to die. His reasons for training Ray, I thought, 
were I, I loved it because it wasn't like, hey, let's it's all hopeful. It's like I'm gonna I'm gonna teach you about the Jedi so that maybe you don't become a Jedi. I want you to learn about their failings, but I'm gonna teach you regardless. He, you know, the, Ben Kenobi was a failure. Darth Vader, Yoda was a failure with Darth. Um, uh, that city is um, Christopher Lee. I think he he trained. Um, right. Obi Wan was a failure so, with Anakin. Failure, right? You know? failure that's a running thing. Yeah, and, common thing. And so with Luke, I think he just had said, "I came here to die. I, I shut off my force. I was able to do that." And he's like, who are you? <laughs> Which I liked. Um, and, and him tossing the lightsaber, I think it's, for the audience, it's one thing. But for Ray, it's something completely different. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> no, I came here to train. And when you think, think about Empire Strikes Back, right? Luke is Yoda. Luke is Yoda. He's living mm-hmm. alone. He doesn't want to be bothered. Why do you deserve to be trained? Like, prove to me that you're... That you're worthy to become a potential Jedi Knight. He lives in his Adobe hut. She has to like stay outside for a long time. Mm-hmm. It definitely follows that pattern. And um, I, I, th- I think there's a slight distinction though, because I think it's less about her just getting training. It's also getting Luke back. Mm-hmm. I think that's a slightly slight distinction between the two. But I agree. Yeah. Part of that is getting him back. Is hey, we need other Jedi as well. Yeah. And I, you know, and him recognizing her power, you know, is 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 important too. But you know, the, the parallels to Empire. Instead of going into a tree, she goes into a big pit in the ground. Uh, all of this stuff is part of her training, um, and he recognizes, hey, there's only one other time I saw this kind of power. It scared me, and I didn't do anything about it. Really, he goes, now this really scares me. What do I have to, you know, what am I going to do? Um, so, and and what the culmination of all that is with, again, talking about Empire Strikes Back, the unexpected happened. Yoda comes. Not only does Yoda show up, Yoda burns down the Jedi Temple with all of the literature, well, which I didn't. Technically, really it's in the uh, Millennium Falcon. Did you did you see that little tidbit? The 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 the, the one book. Yeah, the, the, but they're yeah. there. No, page turners. They were page not. Page turners. <laughs> they were not. I'm willing to bet that that was a Carrie Fisher line. But well, um, well I, I appreciate that though because I think you know you sort of have to re- hit a reset button, and they were so sacred. But but I just loved Yoda nagging Luke of have you essentially have you read them? And he's he he has no answer because the answer is of course no. You just they're <laughs> sacred, so I have to protect them. Yeah. Uh, so I, I appreciated that. Yeah. I like that, and it also just shows that you know, from the master passing on to the student who now becomes the master. You know, it's it's that whole cyclical thing when it comes to education, and it also I mean, people making a lot of comparisons to Empire Strikes Back, but also there were a lot of Return of the Jedi. Oh my god! So many emotional beats. A lot of the same lines. Like spoken in the same cadence as Return of the Jedi. Oh, like I see the conflict within you. Let go of your hate. You know. You know. We had those exact same lines also in this one. Um, so I, but I think they did a great job of bringing back those themes and motifs that we all know mm-hmm. of, because um, it sets up like something that we can kind of expect. But this is a new generation. This like new audiences are watching this. New kids are watching this. So I, I think they do a great job of like. 
honing it back to the original, but yet still being new and fresh. Yeah. And delivering the unexpected. Yeah. And again, if had you known that Yoda was in this, and I'm going back to our spoiler conversation up the top, had you known Yoda was in this, would it have been as special? I mean, when he shows up on screen, I was like, right. what? Yoda! That's crazy. Yeah, I'm like, that's, had no idea. Well, they, Unless you they also hid Frank Oz from that. Sure. Like, they didn't bill him. But it was to such get, a great To not have thing. that spoiled. Yeah. It was great. Uh, one of the things, so, is, is, what story do you guys believe as far as Luke and Kylo Ren's interaction that night? Because Ray says to, or, um, yeah, Ray says to Luke, you know, your only failure was thinking that you had lost him. Luke had wanted to kill him because he knew he had lost him. Uh, and then there's obviously the truth is somewhere in between, just like the Force is in between all living things. But you know, what is the truth I of mean, this fateful night? It's interesting because there are two different versions, and it's really up to you to interpret it how you wish but it just shows that the common thing with both of their versions is that there was a moment of doubt within luke and doubt slash fear and fear leads to everything you know fear leads to anger anger leads to hate so on and so forth um but it shows that they're also both human and um but it, it also shows that kylo was questioning himself he probably saw some darkness within him luke was afraid of that darkness it, it just showed a true moment of what's happening and i unfortunately in that moment that's when it all went to hell i think I, th- I think be careful what you know right because that's the first thing it's a matter of perspective everyone seems to have a perspective and from their point of view yeah it's the truth but it's there's no objective truth that we know of yeah i i i'm gonna tend to because i always i, I, I tend to go with luke um you know, I don't. I don't think that Luke. I think he went to confront him, and knowing who Ben's lineage is from, I don't think murdering Ben Solo was really what he wanted to set out to do. And I think Ben Solo, who was becoming Kylo at this time, and he was setting up these Knights of Ren, um, it, things got out of hand. I tend to, like I said, for me, I go with the good guys who I've always known to be a good guy, Luke, and, and being truthful. Um, you know, he's a very powerful Jedi. Uh, and it just makes sense for Kylo to spin it. it. It could be Kylo's perspective now. From his perspective, that's what he saw, that's what he truly believes, and that's what he tells Ray, whether it's a lie or not. But I think that's part of what Ray has to parse out. That's what I think, too, makes this movie good. Things come unexpectedly. So if Ray has to parse this out between the light and the dark, this is a good way to do it. Because you can see it play out right in front of those two stories. There's, you know, three sides to the truth. Isn't that, you know? Yeah, yours, mine, mine, and the truth. And the truth. truth. So, and I think it played out very well. So from Kylo's perspective, that he may have thought that that's what Luke was there for. He was, he was going to kill me, and I had to defend myself. Well, that also, that's part of, part of what makes, you know, up until a certain point that the truth is no longer truth, you believe it. Uh, I'm trying <laughs> to say it in a more eloquent way, but it, it sounds so, like, obvious, because that's what it's supposed to ultimately be. So sort of kind of like how we are today. But, but you know... 
I, I'm I'm saying that because we'll, we'll 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 put a pin on Snoke real fast, but we'll talk about let's talk about kind of what happens after or leading up to it, where you know uh, Ray goes in there and she says, "I saw what's going to happen. You're going to turn," and he says, "No, I saw what happens. You're going to turn," and they both believe it wholeheartedly, and yet only one can be right, right. and yet they're not. You know, um, so it's it, it, it's very interesting in that way, and then then it becomes a whole Schrodinger's cat type of scenario, right? They're <laughs> both right until they're wrong. It's it's very true. Right. But also, th- we know just the 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 whole essence of the Force is that it can show you your future, but that doesn't mean that's exactly how it's going to play out. And I mean, even Yoda says the future is hard to see. You know, the future. You know, like yeah. a, he he always says that he can see it. It's cloudy. It's dark. But then people inter like the proper Jedi's intervene and change the 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 outcome. So, I mean, if if Ray saw a positive thing, a future for Kylo Ren, and Kylo Ren saw a darker, I mean, it again is there. There's really no clear answer of what it's actually going to turn out to be. It, 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 an argument can be made in the throne room. Again. Just part of that amazing 45 minutes or so. In a sense, do they both turn? I mean, Kylo Ben does help Rey escape, right? When otherwise he should be trying to kill her. But they they pair up. They pair up to get out of this situation. Um, From Rey's perspective, that could have been what she saw as him turning, you know? Uh... He becomes supreme leader. Again, something I didn't see coming. It was one of those unexpected moments of the movie where I was like, okay, that just happened. (laughs) Now how are they going to get out? And they don't really fight against each other until it's time to grab that lightsaber. That lightsaber is mine. No, it's mine. (laughs) Um, Great scene. So, uh, and I guess you could surmise that that lightsaber will see, um, you know, other days. I mean, you saw the crystal inside, and it's part of your Jedi training is to build a lightsaber. Um, yeah, but uh, also so. to, to go off the, the lightsabers, you know, just symbolism and stuff. Um, you know, red is usually the Sith side, and blues, blue and green and purple are the good sides. But also, when we saw Kylo fighting, he had his red saber, but he also had the blue at some point. So, mm-hmm. just symbolically, visually, it shows he's good and bad. So he's very conflicted between. He could sway either way. Right now, he sways more on the red, more on the Sith side, but he has that potential to be good. He is There's so leader. many visual cues that he could be a good guy. Yeah, there were. There, there, there were plenty. But he's now Supreme Leader. Well, I, th- I think in a basic sense, whether he's good or whether he's bad, I think his ultimate goal is... I just want people to stop telling me what the hell to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what Snow. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we can transition into Snoke, but he's telling him like, "You're weak. Uh, you need to do this. You need to do that." And he's like, "I'm just." And his parents are telling him this, and he's, you know, he's supposed to go this way, do that. He's like, I'm, "No, I'm going to do what I want to do," uh, and, which is a very childlike reaction at the end of the day. But and in one way, shape, or form, however, he can he can honestly say that he, you know, he succeeded. His, his his granddad, you know, Darth Vader. Darth Vader never became supreme leader. He is now supreme leader. 
Um, who, who gets to be his Darth Vader? I don't know, but yeah, it's a very interesting point. It's like I'm sick and tired of people telling me what to do. Husk is another one yeah, <laughs> who Husk. tells him what to do, and <laughs> he force pushes him. Um, he likes to lead. But so. it was it was also very interesting when he asks Daisy or D- Daisy Ridley to join him. Mm-hmm. Ray. Uh, he says at the end he uses the word please. And please, more so than just polite, but it's, it becomes like a legitimate begging, like, please join me. And she doesn't. Do you think that he looks at Ray as his balance? Uh, certainly. I mean, what, you know what, what I the mean? hell that means, I have no I, idea. I know, well, but his balance, like, Something Ray, that could help take the pressure off of him a bit. Take, take the anger out. Yeah. Like, he recognizes maybe he maybe he recognizes that there is a gray. If I have the light on my side, it helps keep. I need that because we can see that it has a minute. Look, we're going into theories, and I don't. I'm not going to theorize what what's going to be in episode nine. But it's a very interesting thing that you brought up, particularly about the please. You know, I loved how they took off the mask because mm-hmm. that too is where Adam Driver shines. And that was so early in the movie too. Well, because yes. Snoke told him, like, take that yeah. silly thing off. Yes. Like, oh, but I like okay. that. Because this is where Adam Driver shines. Whether he's in Logan Lucky. Or Girl. His facial expression is where we see the conflict. When he's in the TIE Fighter, he's maskless. We, we can see that conflict within him. And we can see the sympathy. I'm not going to kill my mom. Please join me. You know? It's great to be able to see his eyes and they say that the eyes could be windows to the soul what's interesting about kylo ren is does he still have a soul like what are we looking at i think he still definitely has a soul not to get into the theories he definitely has a conscience so there's something in him that makes him question his actions there's Uh, something there speaking of questioning stuff the, the one of the biggest questions of all who are Ray's parents? <laughs> we've seen that. We've seen her go on Mari. We've seen her on Jerry Springer. We've seen all the not parents. It wasn't Obi Wan Kenobi. It wasn't Han Solo. It wasn't Luke Skywalker. They're just nobodies. I didn't. I mean, you know just what? whether or not that's the truthful answer. How did you guys feel about it in this movie? I'm completely okay with that because we have yet to see the parents. It doesn't affect Ray more so because she's, I think it only affected her that it forced her to be single and strong on her own. You know, she's very independent. She can hold her own ground. And I like that because, the and also to like bat down everybody's crazy theories of who could it be, who could it be. It's totally fine to have a lead hero in a franchise and they don't have to come from somewhere somewhere important or from a lineage that's important they could be completely heroic completely on their own and i'm totally fine with that get like bat down get rid of this parent storyline well Luke skywalker pretty much said it best and i paraphrase like the force doesn't belong to me like the force belongs to everybody so and i think the end of the movie showcases this as well and i said it already before you know, we had the prequels that showed a bazillion different Jedis who were Force-sensitive. If you're going to buy the fact that this, uh, f- f- from Rogue One, that this blind cane-like uh, guy has is Force-sensitive, I mean, it all depends who you are. And they've thankfully stayed away from midichlorians, 
thank God. Um, so it doesn't matter who, who her parents are at this point. You know, I think what really set that two in stone is when Snoke said, I was the one that was causing your connection. And again, I think that's another great facet of the writing because it was making it appear as if maybe she was Han Solo and an, an offspring of Han Solo and Leia. But why would they lie to her at but, that point? Yeah. And so when he says, I connected you two, because that was going to lead the, her to me. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> but the, it's interesting. I mean, I'm glad mm-hmm. that there was a connection because it brought those two together. But also, the connection still lasted after Snoke was dead. So they were connecting by force just in and of themselves. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I, I don't know how it fully works, mm-hmm. but at a certain point, if you've kind of gotten the habit of doing it, you kind of can recreate it, I guess. I don't know. Do opposites I attract? Just keep doing I it. I mean, yeah, but, they keep doing it, and it ended, I thought it was perfect. Her just shutting the door on him. Yeah. You know, she still looks at him as like this monstrous child. What do you do? You just ignore him. Just shut the door on him completely. It was very well done. Uh, it, it will be interesting to see, particularly after that dialogue between Luke and Leia. He can't be redeemed. We'll see. Well, uh, going back to the parents real fast, one of the interesting parts that I will say, and this is not supporting anything in particular, but um, a lot of people, when Empire Strikes Back uh, came out, they didn't believe, wait, Vader's lying. No way, he's the father. And then it was confirmed in the next in the next movie. And so I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. Putting it out there. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it is very interesting that from a character like Kylo Ren, right, who's pretty much been gray about the truth, <laughs> that that's the one thing that people have taken to be the truth. No. <laughs> the way he's presented things isn't exactly the truth, but that one thing, damn it, that's the truth, what he mm-hmm. said. So I don't know if they explore it more fine, but if it is what it is, Fine with it too. It's great. It makes Ray that much more special because she's not. Because she's not. Uh, this is a great reminder that uh, although we joke about not loving your theories, we love your theories, aka comments. So definitely keep commenting. Let us know what you thought of this movie, and you know, listen. Whatever crazy theory you guys throw out there, I'm willing to read it. Sure, I'm willing. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, if for whatever reason you haven't done so, and and you've stumbled onto us just because you like Star Wars and we're needed more Star Wars, hey, listen, we do anatomy a movie for all kinds of movies. We do this, but for other movies. So if you like what we do, don't hesitate to subscribe. It means a lot to us. It does, and I actually think that last week we we did an amazing Shape of Water, uh, an amazing breakdown and discussion, a true. Um, good old discussion about Shape of Water and plenty of other movies, That's including right. Star Wars mm-hmm. movies and yeah, science fiction drama. It's all all of those. Yeah, well, people are commenting in the live chat, too. William Gaska ha- asked a good question. So could you kill your own father in cold blood and still be a good guy? I mean, there And then he yes. added, like, Star Wars fans, huh? Whatever. Um, I, I mean, think- yes, if, you're, if, you're, if your father's an alcoholic asshole who, let's say, is the next incarnate of an Adolf Hitler, then yeah, you're still a good guy. Right. I, I mean, what Kylo did obviously was not good. That wouldn't make him a good guy, you can say. You can still be good and do bad things. Not to, like, that justification, the end justifies the mean whatsoever. I'm saying that Kylo has redeemable qualities in him. Mm-hmm. Well, didn't Anakin... I mean, yeah. yeah. 
Anakin Skywalker killed a lot of people, a lot of innocent women, children, parents. You know, X Y Z. Not the children. Not the children. Yeah, he slaughtered them like animals. He did. He killed a lot of people, but yet in the end, everyone still loved Darth Vader. When he got redeemed, so it it definitely sets those footsteps for Kylo to be redeemed. But it's interesting, you know, he he does pose that question because when we did Force Awakens, I think I even mentioned that patricide's a hard thing to come through, you know, to get over. You know, it's but then again, you look at what Anakin Skywalker, what he killed. He did a lot of bad things. He did a lot of bad things too, but he he was redeemable, and he wiped out his own. His own kind. Yeah. <laughs> he was integral. He wiped in out the Jedi. Out, wiping out the Jedi. He wiped out children, Jedi. Yeah. Goodness. Right, so. right. Well, there you go. That answers that. We'll write a greater <laughs> essay on that in the near future. <laughs> Hopefully that answers your question, William. So let's talk about Snoke. Snokey dokey. Uh, everyone, everyone's <laughs> Snoke theory sucked. Oh. <laughs> Truly indeed. Uh, no, but, the, you know, I don't know. Uh, I didn't <clears> need more about him other than he was this evil character and i find it more fascinating the actions that kylo ren did to him versus who he is you know i don't need a dossier on snoke and that that to me was the most interesting part where where snoke speaking of hubris right where snoke just knew what kylo ren was gonna do and he's doing it and, and, and and very Poor choice of word, good choice of words, whatever way you want to spin it. Like, and he's gonna kill his greatest enemy. Boom, and he kills Snoke. Snoke. Oh, that was great. I thought it was a great scene. That and just the whole lightsaber, you know, turning on him. I just in movie and like progressing it. That's when everything just like turned up to ten. Well, it's <laughs> turned the, up to eleven. Really, it's the unexpected. Yet again, gives us the unexpected. Look. The internet is to blame for a lot of this because they made Snoke to be this, this this character, right? But he's no, he's really not that much different than the Emperor in the first trilogy. Prior to this, prior to the prequels, we really knew nothing about the Emperor. He's mentioned briefly in Star Wars. He's a hologram for like a minute and a half in Empire Strikes Back, and we don't really see him until Return of the Jedi. We don't know where he came from. We don't know how he got his powers. All we know is that he's so badass that Darth Vader, who's supposed to be the badass villain of the galaxy, mm-hmm. bows down to him. And it's Luke who ends up, you know, dumping Palpatine, Palpatine right in the drink. Done. It didn't matter. He was a force to be reckoned with. He was evil. We know that. Snoke was evil. We know that. They showcased that. They showcased it. I didn't yeah. need... This other stuff, again, I thought he was going to make it into the third movie. And when he doesn't, it was like, oh, oh my God, you know, this is like a Stephen King thing. He doesn't, he's killing people off left and right. It made it more interesting for me. I'm glad I didn't read the Snoke theory. So I went in to this film not really knowing much about Snoke. And I find that actually refreshing because it's good that I didn't know because he got killed Anyways, and I think that's another way that the writers and producers, you know, like, let's also bat down people's crazy theories because, oh, we're going to throw, like, you know, pull a fast one on you and make you guys look like fools. Like, Snoke is really nobody. And it makes sense that Snoke had to die so Kylo Ren can move up into the ranks. Now, he is now the ultimate baddie. He's a Sith Lord. 
you know, he's like, the supreme leader. No one is above him. So, every, like, now they built Kylo Ren up for the third one that he has to be the ultimate top to turn him. Yeah, and the only thing is, is whether or not, how closely it stays within Star Wars universe lore. There's always two. There's the Sith Lord and the Apprentice. Whether I think that's we, the dumbest rule ever, but there's neither always here nor two, there. But, you know, well, it's like, <laughs> well, the whether, or not apprentice. They carry, yep. whether or not they carry that on into the next movie, I don't know. I don't, you know, whatever. They set up Snoke's death was a complete surprise to me because that character, again, was built up so much. And that, to me, is like, that delivers the unexpected, and it delivered an amazing lightsaber sequence. Oh, that's that, awesome! The fight in the throne room; uh, those were those were you know fighting the 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 Snoke's you know imperial Guard. guards. It was awesome. That was a great fight sequence. It really was very well choreographed. It was uh, one of the best. Yeah, I think just this scene alone, isolated, it, it's great in cinematic sense for writing, for acting, for visuals, for cinematography. Like everything about this particular scene was fantastic, mm-hmm. and I think it could, like, it should be in in the run for like best picture just for this alone because there were so many emotional beats. It goes from like serious trying to turn each other into action fighting against the Imperial Guards, into fighting each other. There were just so many completely different beats in this one scene alone. Yeah. Like It was yeah. fantastic. And, and Forget it really the second led scene. Into it that. brought this. It really led into that amazing third act so well. And there were so many things going on. We're fighting together. We're fighting against each other. We're helping each other. And then there were just great things done with the lightsaber. Like throwing it through the guy's head. Stuff like that. I mean, it was just, it was a great scene. You know, and it all started off with the death of Snoke in the top half of his body. And then when, and, but see, then Kylo Ren lied again. Uh, you know, he lied. Yeah, she killed him. Uh, you know. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. So again, he lies throughout the movie, but we're hanging on one thing that he said to be true. Why? I don't know. So. All right. Well. Great scene. Sort of the last thing I have, and so. That's kind of cue for you guys, if anything else, story-wise, you guys want to talk about. But the last thing, uh, generally we end Star Wars movies on a Skywalker. This one we did not. We ended it on a kid. Mm-hmm. So I want to get from your perspective the meaning behind that shot. The Last Jedi, if you want to go for the plural aspect of Jedi, it, it shows the ending. Again, you can come from a really crappy place, such as that casino p- planet, but that uh, it, it literally set up for a whole new generation. The next generation, even though those books were unfortunately not considered canon anymore, this is the vi- visual film version of the next generation of Jedi. It's like the Force never goes away, I yeah. think. And having the little button, again, it didn't bother me um, because it did showcase that, to, you know, to what Marissa was saying of that. And what Luke Skywalker said is that the Force surrounds everybody. Like, whether you choose to believe in it or not, people have it. They can. It's there. So the Force hasn't gone away. It's just rebuilding or rebooting, let's say. And if there is a new generation of people to take it on and perhaps whoever is going to teach them, whether it be Rey or whether it be Space Ghost Luke, whoever, she'll have the... 
the mentorship from, from, from Luke, right? You know, Ray will have that mentorship. Who knows? But it does show that there is a hope and that people do have that ability, even in no matter what their lineage or background is. Well, what I appreciate it's at the end of the day, you know, the, you look at whether the Jedi or any sort of learning, someone has to be the first. And so as far as the Force is concerned, you know, whether Rey wants to be the, f- the first new Jedi again and just kind of learn it as she goes, that's fine too. I actually appreciate that because it, it, it brings up that notion like at the end they yes we always want a teacher we want a teacher to help us but what about the first teacher mm-hmm. who was his teacher apart from as Yoda explains failure sure it's probably more than likely yeah right I mean and it comes back to just a new hope when Luke found Ben Kenobi Ben was the last Jedi at that time so but. Luke started a, a new generation of Jedi, especially with the whole Knights of of Ren and all that. So, again, just that cyclical pattern of there's a beginning to an end that leads to the next beginning. This is the next beginning of the next generation. Yeah. And I think it was great that it ended on a child because, unfortunately, we've seen so many deaths of children Jedi. But I think that's also... And there's also just, like, that role of... You know, it's best to train as a Jedi when you're a child, when you're young. Um, and, and then you can uh, grow into mm-hmm. that. And I think it's great, especially the way that, like, they ended it with the broom looking like a lightsaber. Sure. It was just brilliant. It, it's, it's the next generation. And I'm so, I would so look forward to that. It, the other thing that it does, too, is it sort of reboots the religion, okay? Because there were rules within the religion. So maybe, you know, maybe Ray and Finn can actually be together look at look at religion and how it has evolved between priests marrying women i mean i believe the catholic church yeah uh, they can they have to take but the orthodox can but the orthodox can they can marry they can so this gives a chance to reboot uh and hopefully they learn from history uh, although history always has a tendency to repeat itself but put set aside the hubris that you are the greatest all-knowing and go out there and explore and 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 love life and, well, and respect that, life for what it is, and maybe they can respect one another. I think that's that's what Yoda to me represents is the passing on of that because you know uh, though I don't love them and I don't watch them that often, uh, you know Yoda was very hesitant to take on Anakin Skywalker because he was old and if yeah <laughs> he was like what 10 years old at best and mm-hmm. if he was too old quote unquote we're all doomed so uh, you know from that perspective i think yoda realizes his own failures in that uh in that chapter of everything and so he realizes okay yeah may- maybe it's time to change things mm-hmm. you know not be so stringent upon that and if you know what if someone's got a good heart they got a good heart and let's just go with it and stop you know, pretending these rules exist when they don't sure. need to. Right. And back then, you know, in the prequels, which you know a lot of people didn't like, they had those rules set in place for protection, and they were more elite. They were they were around. They had their own temple, Jedi temple, that people looked to them as, you know, for politics, for authority, for security in that way. So, like, they were well more established in the prequel. And now, because they are so scarce, like, they do have to be more lenient to the rules if they want to survive at all. Yeah, absolutely. And and Yoda has recognized his failings. 
Right? He recognizes it in, in, the, in the prequels or later on as well. Luke has recognized his failings. And, and Ray, like you said earlier, Ray said it best. You, you, you let him down. You didn't let yourself down. Like, you, you only failed. Like, what was the line? Um, you failed. He failed. Well, he, he, he said Kylo you. Ren failed you. Yeah, Kylo mm-hmm. Ren failed him. He didn't mean that Luke's a bad person. We know he's not a bad person. So, um, and the admittance of failure, too, that's a big deal for the Jedi Knights because that's sort of kind of what got them into that mess way back when before the Clone Wars, is that they didn't, they believed that they were infallible. So Luke going to Leia and saying, I failed. Uh, that's a big deal. You know, and uh, and that's another, one of those reasons where you listen to the dialogue, you see the, you see that tender moment uh, among these actors together. It just makes it special. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Anything else story-wise before we shift gears into production? Nope. All right. We covered quite a bit, huh? I think so. <laughs> I hope so. I hope that people are enjoying. You know, it seems from the from the comments that you were showing that that that, that yeah, so far. enjoying it. Yeah, we got some enjoyment. Good, That's good. Right. All right. So, uh, where do you guys want to start to unpack this? I mean, do do we want to start with um, the Icelandic filming, where where basically the Last Jedi Temple or the First Jedi Temple takes place and and whatnot? I thought that was. Uh, a lot of stuff started from there. So why don't we... Why don't so we the island of... What, what's it called? Ikto, Ik, I believe it is. Yeah. No, I'm never <laughs> I can't pronounce it correctly. Right <laughs> I'm not even going to try. The beautiful island. <laughs> the beautiful island. It looks gorgeous. I, I did like it because it it's another world slash planet that's closer to humans, I guess you can say. There, sure. There's a lot of life there, um, knowing it's also, you know, filmed in, in Ireland, I mean. Yeah. Um, it looked gorgeous, it looked scenic, it looked like a believable place that Luke could go for his self-exile. Yeah. Um, and, and I understand it really doesn't matter where you are, because Yoda went to a swamp. It doesn't matter the location you are, it just matters of, like, what you're doing by yourself. Um, I liked it because it had such a visual contrast to all the other planets and systems that we went to. Well, what I appreciated, Mark Hamill, so they, they had to trek this this thing. <laughs> and so he got the and he's like, hey, could I just sleep here? I know we're going to shoot here tomorrow. Can I just pitch a tent? And uh, they, they, I guess, legally weren't allowed to actually do that. So they're like, <laughs> hey, buddy. And, you know, he was foregoing like the 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 best of the hotels you can possibly imagine. He was like, I, I don't want to trek this thing again. Like, no, sorry. Kathleen Kennedy's like, you got to come down. Gotta come back, we, we sorry. Can't you. Um, look, I I I, uh, I give credit to J.J. Abrams. You know, he's he and his location people found this place, <laughs> and it 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 it's otherworldly yet it's earthly. Yes, you know, um, we don't recognize apparently tourism for that place. Skyrocketed I'm after sure. surprise, shocker. Sure. But with the steps, I mean, it was exactly what he was looking for. Uh, so, and in this movie, much to I'm glad you brought up the swamp because mm-hmm. much to the way that Yoda used the environment to help Luke train, um, we saw Luke using the environment to sustain life. He was hunting. Uh, he was training, training Ray within the environment and. That I really appreciated. Also for Ray, Ray coming from a great line too. By the ways, uh, I'm from nowhere. Where's nowhere? 
Jack no one comes from nowhere. No one comes from nowhere. Jack Oh, you're right. Uh, yeah, it's pretty much no one. And he's from Tatooine, which was always considered the ass end of space and nowhere. <laughs> and <laughs> he knows. So for Jack for 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 Ray, who hasn't seen this this water, this water <laughs> and this lush green um, outside of when, when when she went to Maz's uh, uh, temple. Uh, she she even commented, "I can't believe this is so green." I think it's a great um, it's great separation for where she comes from to be on this lush place to to, to meet Luke Skywalker. It's yeah. really you know, and the the amount of set pieces too. Uh, uh, Rick Henricks, uh, who was the production designer, <clears throat> he said in an interview with the Hollywood Reporter that he wanted to. The original script had about 160 sets in it. A ridiculous amount of sets. I didn't say that to Ryan because I figured on something that this big, he'll find that on his own. It's a 100-day shooting schedule. So there's more than one set a day you have to prepare for. At the end of production, uh, settled on 125 sets across 14 stages at Pinewood Studios. A lot of locations. (laughs) It's a... yeah. 160 sets in the original script. Can you imagine? <laughs> and by the way, all very memorable. None Absolutely. of them were a throwaway. Mm-mm. No, exactly. And we got like our, our main systems in, in this uh, yes. movie that, that had that first, second, and third act. Absolutely. And they all visually had different color palettes, different lighting, different feels and different worlds to, to the characters and what they were going through. There was there, there, I, I, ahead, there no. was one particular shot with um, with Rose and Finn when she af- after she kind of zaps him, and it was a hallway, right. but it curved and turned, and I th- th- this is this is the way I looked at it because um, this is how, when I read this quote. If I was the production designer, I'd be like, "Can't we just shoot in a straight fucking hallway?" <laughs> but I, 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 if I, I literally would have said that. He's like, why do we have to curve? Because the way they shot that, they showed both angles of it to show more depth. But I swear to God, I would have like, let's just shoot a damn straight hallway. We'll get it. It'll be fine. Right. And that's the level <laughs> that they went to to make this look good was just having a curved yeah. thing and shoot that way to see both. There you go. But they also had the production money to do that. Sure. Too. Yes, they did. Yeah, well, she's right there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> We have the money. Let's curve this hallway, shall we? Sure. N- not once did that bother me because I think that also <clears throat> had a nice reveal to to Rose too, as Poe Dameron's walking. Sorry, not Poe. As Finn's walking, it, it shows that you know just curving into. Oh, here's a new who. Here's a new person for us to like. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, sure. And obviously, a lot of great reds. I mean, that seemed to be a very strong color. Yeah, particularly yes. in the throne room, which it was somewhat a little bit uh, Snoke's throne room, the, mm-hmm. the red background. Um, I particularly love the red that was uh, on the island of, or not the island, the, the planet Crate. Yeah. And that, and that was really, okay, so was I the only one when that general, or whoever Husk. he was? No, not Husk. It was definitely on the rebel side when they were in Crate. And it was very much like that Empire scene when they're all in the trenches. Mm-hmm. And that one guy gets up and starts walking. And then all of a sudden there's like red underneath mm-hmm. his feet. And I was like, yeah. is Salt. he bleeding? Like, I was like, and then the guy. Like, I'm like, why are you like, Yeah, I was like, why are you licking that? Like, oh, salt. Visually, it was great. And it gave us like from those, uh, I forget what they call those ships. Forgive me. 
Um, the old uh, the old rebel ships. Yeah, yeah the tracers or something. It it gave her a great uh, visual appearance. Again, mm-hmm. if you're in California, come to, go to Disneyland and do Star Tours because you actually go to that planet. Uh, it's it's visually well, it's fantastic. The, the production designer, oh no, actually, sorry, Ryan Johnson said for for all the red, he's like, I really like the battle with the red spewing up from the white to convey the violence mm-hmm. that happened in that scene. Here was another great sort of kicker to it all. It if you're watching it a second time, it's a great giveaway that Skywalker is not in fact there because at no point does he kick up any red dirt. There's yeah. that, and I didn't realize that the first. Well, time. you're not but, supposed but, to. Yeah, but, but, exactly. I was like, oh, let's talk dude. about that for a second, okay? And this is where um, Rian Johnson is great at doing mystery because he gives clues, but he doesn't give the most important clue. We don't know how strong Luke is. We don't. We've never seen that type of a projection before, right? From it's a character, an like, an, I, I, like a literal astral projection. When he shows up. Like, the first thing I noticed is, when did he stop and shave his beard and dye it? When did he, like, just ferment his beard? Because it's brown. And then his lightsaber is blue. When we just saw that lightsaber being cut in half, and he had a green lightsaber before. So he was projecting a younger version of himself. And, again, the clues are there. You're just, I was just thinking, it's continuity. You're just so caught up in the moment. Right. Or, or like, maybe he's, he's getting back to fighting strength. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, maybe he did before he took off in his ship. You don't know. So when that reveal comes, you're like, oh, my God. It was. <laughs> it's amazing how that setup was. We had the clues, but we had one piece of the puzzle that we were never given. So we could never make that leap. Well, the biggest clue was the fact that he got shot at and nothing happened. And yet, at least from the screen that... Marissa and I went to, no one was like, oh, what is this crap? No way he'd do that. It, it was yeah. just like, oh, he's so powerful that he was able to block all the bullets. But again, yeah, the because force. We've, seen dark, we've seen that sort of happen. And if you read the comics that are now supposedly canon with like people like Darth Vader, they are able to repel, maybe not to that magnitude. But again, it set up that great line. Uh, you sure you got him? <laughs> <laughs> right? And... You're just like, oh my god, look how... We've, we have never seen how powerful the Jedi could be. So with Luke Skywalker, you're led down that path to just believe it. Yeah, and if that astral projection trick was in the book, that, that I consider that a page-turner. Shoot, I would like to, to read that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, maybe people should have read those books. They, we could have seen a lot more cool things up the Jedi sleeves. Yeah. But one of the things, too, that, that worked so well with it, and uh, obviously this applies to Yoda, but they forewent, yes, they had CGI, but a lot of the stuff was as practical, practical. as they could uh-huh. get it. And certainly Yoda was, was part of that. And, I mean, we, we, we've said this before, and it's simple. And con- So kudos, continue to listen to it, filmmakers. When you do things for real, they just look real. And they say this movie had the most practical effects of any Star Wars movie ever filmed, which is believable considering this day and age. You would you would expect that they would have more than nineteen. Yeah, it was two and a half hour movie. But considering where technology is and say puppeteering and whatnot in the sets, yeah, it's going to be more than nineteen seventy seven. You know, they were crafting models and the Death Star. 
you, I could understand that, you know. It was a nice, though, it was nice when J.J. Abrams brought it back because it was that going back to the down and dirty and the practical effects. You felt that ships were tangible. There was a shadow in the lighting the way it was. You felt that you can touch them. Um, I felt this. I felt similar here. Um, and knowing that the creatures were mostly practical, that there was very CG, um, including my favorite, the Porgs. Porgs started off as practical. They did. Um, and and, and uh, Johnson didn't want to use CG, but they got it to a point where he couldn't tell the difference between the puppetry and the CG. So, again, I appreciate the fact that there was a practical puppet effect that they wanted to use in animatronics. I thought the so. interesting thing about the Porgs was like just the conception of Porgs, like in and giving so much screen time to them. Yeah, they, they were fun having those characters around, but just the environment of Ireland and being there. Uh, he Ryan Johnson wanted the animal equivalent of that of the puffins, the puffins of the puffins, and that's the conception of the Porgs. Let's have a a native creature to this land. Um, that can come along for the ride. Yeah, I, I I knew we were in trouble when I was at Disneyland early in the summer, and they were selling porgs like stuffed animals, and people, oh my yeah. god, they're so cute! It's like, but you don't even know what it is. I like, like a stuffed you, porg, you know, uh, medium rare. <laughs> medium. <laughs> that's 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 the next time I want to see it is on the Disneyland kiosk menu. Uh, I want it to be right next to the turkey leg. Oh. But again, I, they were they weren't Ewoks. No. And, yeah. you know, Ewoks fought for cause and sacrifice, and I don't know if these... They I saved Yavin. I want to go back uh, real fast to, to, the, to the realness of it, <clears> because <throat> not only visually did it look real, something that uh, I, I don't remember, but uh, before, meaning, but especially when, when the TIE fighters are going by the windows, the glass shakes. Yes. And the reason I know it shakes is because there's that vibration of the sound effects. And so that level of detail just made it feel all the more real. It, it tied all these things together rather than just like, ah, whatever, don't worry about it. They yeah. get it. There's ships flying by left and right. But no, it just it shook, it shook. every time. Yeah. yeah, practical effects. I thought that was uh, really well done and it adds to the authenticity of the environment that they're in. I thought another great moment that added to that because they are in space was when Holdo turned her craft around and put it straight through light speed through all those cruisers. I was like, yeah, woman. Um, but the way there was... The, the delayed explosion, because they're in space. There's no sound in space, but watching it was freaking awesome. How everything just blew up, but there was delay to it. it that scene Very was, well done. Yeah. That was uh, hyperspace demolition derby. Was It was amazing. The, the way that it was visualized. Because we've always heard, you don't want to fly too close to a star. Or star fly, destroyer. Or, you know, bounce too close to a supernova that would end your trip real quick. So you can't. There are rules to flying in hyperspace, and you have to chart a course so that you're not hitting something solid because that would end your trip real quick, wouldn't it? Yeah. As it did here. <laughs> well, J- Johnson, he, he grew up scene. playing and motivated by these movies, and I, I, this to me is just representative. I can't verify the story, but this is what it is for me, and I imagine it this way, that he just used to play with these Legos, and he just... This was a fantasy of his to just do with the Legos. Yeah. It was like, I'm putting that in the movie. Yeah, It worked. It was awesome. It, it worked to great effect because every time 
even from the very very first movie of New Hope, and we saw the the hyperdrives jump for the first time mm-hmm. in every and throughout all the movies when they all stop at the same time. I'm like, how did they not run into each other? I was like, if this was LA, they'd kill each other. <laughs> but so it, it's smart that they do have to. <laughs> create that course where everybody stops at the same time but you never really think about what would happen if they actually did hit each other yeah that would happen yeah awesome uh music the great john williams returns yet again love him and i saw him i actually saw him um at the hollywood bowl um just a few months ago we and i talked about it we did absolutely Um, but Every time the Star Wars music came on, the whole place lit up like a Christmas tree light with everybody's sabers. And I mean, and so Zoom. glad. I yeah. told you, I remember. Yeah, yeah, I no. told you. I said, bring Phil your wasn't here for that discussion. But it's awesome. John, John Williams, legend, living legend. And he's already, his music for this movie, he's already in the running for Oscars. Again, being the most. Uh, nominated, living nominated person for Academy Awards. I well, mean, I'm I, so glad he's back. It was it was last year, right? Ennio Marconi, uh, he won, but it, for the thing. But it, it's okay. But but you know, it, I I know. I know that's not where I'm getting. I with know. This. But I but know. he 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 was so gracious. He was like, hey, but he he applauded John Williams in his speech. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that I mean, that to me is just emblematic of. You have the winner of of that right. honoring somebody who didn't win, but. Because of how great John Williams is, yeah, I and Ennio is not someone that just—he's got his own body of work. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And Jerry Goldsmith—we've uh, talked about Alan Silvestri. Um, John Williams okay. has accomplished something, and it's something that we talked about. about Going to go back to a conversation that we had during Thor, but John Williams has accomplished something, particularly staying with Star Wars, is that he's—he's—he's he's, he's created, he's written suites. And, and music cues for the characters so that when Princess Leia, Princess Leia has her theme, Yoda has her theme, the Imperial March, Darth Vader has his theme, as well does Luke Skywalker. So that as we watch the movie and we watch the, the, the future movies, the sequels, once we hear the cue, it, it, it signifies Luke's on hand or our villain is over here. Not... Nobody does that. Going back to why I was mentioning Thor, Captain America doesn't have a theme. Iron Man doesn't have a theme. There's nothing discernible about those heroes. Wallpaper. (laughs) Wallpaper. So in this movie in particular, The Last Jedi, uh, John Williams, well, he created brand new themes and cues with The Force Awakens. And in this movie, what he does is seamlessly and brilliantly... He intermingles the the classic, like we get Leia's theme, we hear Yoda's theme, mm-hmm. Luke's theme, obviously. Then, of course, he mixes it with the New Order theme. He mixes it with Rey, and and we get this this beautiful melange of symphonic soundtrack music that just tells its own story with your eyes closed. Will he be nominated? Most likely. He also did the post, which I haven't seen yet. But, no one has seen. Yeah, Only so, the people so, of the Hollywood Foreign right. Press has seen. So, so the post, I, I believe he did the soundtrack there. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. He'll most likely get nominated for for Star Wars, right? He might not win because maybe they don't. They're not listening to the music, in in the way uh, you know. I mean, and and appreciating the fact 
of what he has accomplished. You don't give it, you know, he deserves career lifetime awards left and right. Don't get me wrong. Last Jedi is a very special soundtrack, I feel, and very accomplished in the way in he of how he blends the classic with the new because it's what he's always done, whether it's Indiana Jones, we know Jaws, we know Close Encounters. He, he just, he, he builds suites. And with moving Star Wars forward, it is, it, it's a beautiful soundtrack to listen to that, that, that it just encapsulates romance of the action and the thrill of what Star Wars has always been. Absolutely. Fantastic. It's fantastic yeah. score. Now, while we can, of course, talk promotion and box office ad nauseum, um, I, I, I want to talk reception more specifically from the fan perspective because we are running a little bit out of time. Um, and I think that uh, is one of the more deserved things that we can talk about. Uh, this notion that uh, that just because the movie wasn't what people theorized, that it's not a good movie. Right. And then the, But... Uh, Rotten Tomatoes wise, it ha- uh, Justice League has a higher audience score than Star Wars. It's crazy, which is just flat out. That's that's dumb. That's that's batshit crazy. Like it really is to compare Justice League to this to Star Wars. Are you kidding me? What a joke! Like I'm just telling I know, you what I, I saw. Well, what was it? Because the last time I checked Rotten Tomatoes, I think people this are just upset like that the theories are wrong. Oh yeah. Well, People are butthurt. <laughs> yes, they, they are. are. And I, but I think part of that is well, the the internet is you know somewhat responsible. But people have had two years, so they made a big deal about Snoke. The other person that they made it, the other character, I should say, they made a big deal about was Phasma. Mm-hmm. She's basically the Boba Fett of this movie. I mean, Boba Fett. She was well, she never a, represented a big character to me anyway. She was just a commander, and that was it. Well, she was the she only was, foiled. T- towards Finn, and Finn defeated her. But she was, and she was made out to be a very big character in Force Awakens. So. Speak it. It, it just people. I get it. Know. I get it. So you know, and then with Snoke and all this, and people, they made they her- had two years to theorize, right. two years to come up who, who Ray's parents are, and goddamn it, I'm right. And when they're proven wrong, they get sour grapes about it, and they're not happy of the fact and that the movie gave you something ratings. that was. Here's some advice. Do something with your frickin' time in two years. There's plenty of other crap to do. But there's yeah. other problems that there are other problems about this as well. There are websites out there that say issues that episode nine needs to address. No, it doesn't need <laughs> to address to your issues. They're not making the, the, the for your website. They don't need to address your issues. So like get off like say you can say Things I wouldn't mind seeing addressed. Yeah. But By the way, just, just shorten it. Address your issues. <laughs> <laughs> I go. have a lot of issues. I cannot do it. But I'm just saying I'm tired of reading various web things where it's like n- things that need to be resolved or issues that need to be poked at in the next movie. It's like, no, they don't. They, they don't. Like, they're not going by your thing. They have a writer's room. Uh, they're working on it, and that's what I found was refreshing in this: is that it delivered me the unexpected, and I couldn't predict. Marissa, I couldn't predict either, and I think there was a lot of fresh stories and fresh characters that I liked. I mean, we brought in Rose, we brought in Holdo, mm-hmm. um, we brought in co- cool characters like 
say the porgs and and the vulpices and you know there, there was just a lot of cool new things in this one that were fun to watch and you wanted to follow them and i'm i'm actually glad that i personally am not big into the theories and i didn't i mean i had a few but the way that they answered these theories i wasn't mad at it and i've seen unfortunately some reviews like on imdb there's a person like the first landing comment is a one star come on maybe you're pissed at the movie it didn't turn out the way that it's supposed to be but it does not deserve a one star no and, like and people are not disliking it for the wrong reason there's a fact and again i i think it should be noted too that this is a very of all of the Star Wars fandom, because on CinemaScore, this movie did get an A. So that's from movie-going audiences. Yeah. An A, okay? This faction is small, but yeah. they're the loudest. I mean, I read the most ridiculous thing in the world today, that people are petitioning that this movie not be canon. What the fuck? <laughs> like, really? You're petitioning this movie, but all the egregious continuity errors that Rogue One had you're fine with, but this movie is not canon, and you're going to write a petition? I'm like, that's, come on! Get a life. Here's what I have to say about it. I I participated in some of the theories in the sense of, I enjoyed watching them, I thought they were fun, in fact, there's a channel that I watch, Film Theory, and I think it's a lot of fun, but it was, that's all it was, and I was like, oh, dude, if that happened, that would be amazing. But it didn't. And I'm fine with it. Mm-hmm. Here's my issue. I've been holding this. <laughs> oh. I've been waiting He's for this. He's about to go off again. No, I'm not going to go off. Here's my issue with the movie. When I look back on it, yes, there's a lot of very cool things that happen. However, the if I had to summarize this movie, The Rebels Escape. That's the movie? Really? That's all that happens? The Rebels Escape? So that's what kind of upsets me. Ray's hmm. back. We got Luke progresses. Yeah, I mean, resistance back. lives on. But, but but I'm saying just overall in general, I would like I, I feel like we just need to move plot a little bit forward. Like I, I feel like we have a hundred, we, we have like twenty years or like a year of war to tell, and we're taking a day for one movie. Mm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Interesting. That's the way I would summarize. I mean, Empire it. sort of ended similarly, except our stakes were were, were much higher. You know. Uh, Hans and Carbonite, but 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 they escape in any case. Look at to me, they're 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 knocking off our classic characters. Akbar actually fell into a trap. He's dead. He's gone. It's a trap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they're Aww, killing Akbar. off all of our ca- all the characters Akbar. that we know. Uh, and here's to Akbar. Here's to Akbar. He fell into a trap. <laughs> there you go. Damn it. <laughs> all right. Any final so, things before we? Start to wrap up. Yeah, I look. I will look forward to J.J. Abrams. Uh, you know, in, in J.J. Abrams, I trust uh, him with. And we know that Rand is working on the 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 future of Star Wars, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I'm sure he'll have some import for J.J. If they've already come up with their story ideas, uh, well, ago, what, what do we have? Two years. I think years, 2019. Yeah. 2019. So I think that's right around the time too that Star Wars land opens up at Disney World and Disneyland. So it'll be it's interesting to see like that where planned. they go. I think that this as a I think this as a movie was highly enjoyable, regardless of its flaws. It's flawed. It's it, like I said, it's not as tight as Force Awakens is for me, but it's highly enjoyable and taking you to places where you didn't see where you didn't see things coming. 
like take away predictability from it and that makes it fresh and exciting it makes me want to see it again absolutely marissa yeah i really enjoyed this one i like the new characters <clears throat> i did like the stories and how that it opened up to more possibilities and quote-unquote theories for for us in for the next one and i i think it's great i mean it it still has the same old elements that we know and love from the previous films but yet it still feels fresh and new on its own. And it's like, uh, make new friends, but keep the old. And it definitely had that in this film. Yeah. There you go. All right. Uh, I think we, we did a really good job overall. Obviously, there's so much we can talk about. But you know what? That's what the comments are for. Uh, they're there for you. In the meantime, this is our final episode of the year here on Anatomy of Movie. A very fitting roundup to the year, of course. Uh a lot of Oscar movies are going to be coming out. They're flying fast. Most of them in de- so like December twenty fifth. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. we're gonna we're gonna do a little bit of catch up when we return in the new year. Of course, fear not. We will we will cover all of them. Just make take a little bit of time. But in the meantime, enjoy the movies. Keep going to them. If uh, you're curious to see, we have plenty of other movies in our library. And of course, you can interact with us and wish us happy holidays at DMovies. At 70- DMovies seventeen oh one. There you go. And at that's blasphemous Sarah- around these parts. <laughs> Live long and prosper. Good lord. <laughs> well, may the force be with you, all you guys. Um, at Serafini TV. And I'm at Phil Sweetek. Thank you once again. Happy holidays to each and every one of you guys. Um, it, it's been an absolute pleasure. It has been. Thank and, you uh, for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye all. Thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the host only, not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals. The views expressed herein are those of the host only, and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals. 